Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today is actually not um, Luke 11, just to let you know that. Um, it actually will be coming from Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. Um, I'm going to be reading from the uh, First Nations version. Um, for those who are not aware, this is a version of um, the New Testament that was um, uh, translated by members of various um, indigenous uh, tribes in North America um, coming together to put together this version. So I'll be reading from that version this morning. He then told the ones who walked through the road with him another story. There was a man with so many possessions, he had to have someone to oversee them all. The rich man was told that his overseer was mishandling his possessions. He sent for the man and said to him, Why am I hearing these things about you? Give me an account of all I possess, for I can no longer trust you to oversee my belongings. The man said to himself, what will I do? I'm too old to dig ditches and too proud to beg from others. Then an idea came to his mind. I know what to do so that others will help me and give me a place to live. He went to each person who was in debt to the rich man, He said to the first one, how much do you owe? 100 containers of oil, the man answered. Make it 50, the overseer told him. He then said to another, how much do you owe? 100 baskets of wheat, he answered. Make it to be 80, the overseer said back to him. When the rich man found out what the dishonest overseer had done, he shook his head, but he admired the man's craftiness. Do you see what this means? The creator set free, asked. The children of darkness are sometimes wiser in the ways of this world than the children of light are in the ways of the spirit world above. So then, use possessions of this world to help others in need who will become your friends. Then, when possessions run out, the new friends of the creator's good road will always welcome you into their homes. If Creator cannot trust you with the possessions of this world, then how will he trust you with the treasures of the spirit world above? But if you do well with the small things of this world, you will do well with the great things of the spirit world above. No one can be loyal to two rival chiefs. He will either have to choose between them, for either he will hate one chief and love the other, or he will honor one and resent the other. You cannot be loyal to the great provider and to possessions at the same time. When the separated ones, the Pharisees, heard him, they shrugged their shoulders and rolled their eyes, for they loved their many possessions. 
This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, this is a text that scares pastors. In fact, I was initially happy that I wasn't going to be preaching this Sunday because I didn't have to worry about this text. And I'm pretty sure Amy saw this passage and said, I'm not touching that either because obviously you noticed that was not the text that was listed. But this text is here for a reason. And sometimes as pastors, we have to try to deal with these really challenging texts and sometimes even say that we aren't always sure what it's talking about here. So this doesn't make some sense because here we have Jesus kind of lifting up this manager who is kind of shifty. And what in the world was the point of this parable? Well, I think one of the clues here is that maybe we have to see this not in a way as a, telling a story straight, but as sometimes, sometimes people say as, as slant, to see it as satire. That it's using an absurd tale to make a point. And if you think about it, there are tons of examples of satire um, in our culture, especially in television and TV and, and, and movies. And the one that I was thinking about that comes to mind about um, sat in satire, and there are lots, but one that really stood out for me was the 1976 movie Network. If you remember or have heard about that, that's about, it basically focuses on television news. And the main kind of central character is a journalist that basically has this nervous breakdown on live television. And the TV execs, Instead of thinking, well, we need to get him off and get him into treatment, decides we're going to have him have his own show, where he basically rants and raves on live television to rave reviews. The whole point of this movie is that it's talking about the fact of television news as entertainment. And hopefully I am not being a spoiler here for anyone, I mean, the movie has been now out for 46 years, so by now, if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. But the movie ends with that journalist who is ranting and raving, and, have, and the TV execs decide to hire an assassin who kills the journalist on live television to cheers. Network, of course, the whole point of that movie was to talk about how entertainment mixed up with the news. Of course, and if we look at cable news today, we can see that that movie was prophetic. But it is satire. It was trying to get a point across. And that is what this text is saying. So it opens up with this very rich man who is upset. He has found out that his manager has basically been running up expenses on the company credit card. And he tells this man he's fired. And on top of that, you're going to give me an audit to tell me everything that you spent. 
So the manager is scared witless. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have the skills to do anything else. And to go against that famous R&B Motown song, he is too proud to beg. So he decides to call in all the people who have debts with this, man, this master. And he basically cuts down the amounts that he owes him. And then there seems to be the bizarre theme where the manager, as I think in, in this version says, shakes his head because he knows what's going on. He knows what this guy is trying to do. But he's also impressed. He's impressed that he acted with a sense of craftiness. So what in the world is going on here? In the message version, this is another version of, of, this, of the Bible, it kind of really helps to clear that up, and I think this version also does too. And, it, and he says something towards the end of that passage that says, I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so that you'll live, really live, and not complacency, just get on by good behavior. And Jesus concludes the parable by saying, how we act in the small things of the world also shows how we will act in large things. And that we cannot serve two masters. At some point, you got to choose. So what does this have to do with us? Think about that manager for a second. He is facing a challenge, and how does he handle it? Jesus says that he acts shrewdly. Now, Jesus is saying that you and me are to act shrewdly in the world. Jesus is not saying that we should go ahead and that embezzlement is fine, but that we should be shrewd, being aware of the situation in front of us and to act wisely, but not for our benefit, but for the benefit of God and for the people that God cares for, especially the poor. This is all about being prudent. And if you think about it, this is about stewardship. In our walk with God, how are we as followers of Jesus using all of the resources that God has given us? Are we being prudent with the money that we have? Are we being prudent with our time? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is sending out the disciples and he urges them to be shrewd, to be shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves. Unfortunately, sometimes in our walk with God, we've gotten that backwards. And God is telling us that in our relationship with God, in our walk with others, we are to act with prudence. Yesterday, a couple of us here met with Kirby Gould, and she is the representative of the Christian Church Foundation. We're, we met with her and, and meeting with some people because, of course, we have our proceeds from the sale of the building. 
And we want to figure out how best to use that money that we have. And more importantly, how to use it intentionally. How are we going to use what we have in this, these resources that will benefit and foster future mission and ministry? How are we using this money that in many cases was the result of people before us to honor them and to honor God and to use it in a way that can bring others to get to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ and to feed and to help those who are in need. How do we use all of these resources? Do we use it to help others or do we just kind of use it up as if there's no tomorrow? And what about our budgets? Are our budgets shrewd? Are we using those to help others? to foster future, future mission. Unfortunately, in our congregation, sometimes we have not had the greatest, um, we've not been always good and thoughtful with our resources. And I think I would be honest to say in the last few years that we just kind of, kind of keep going and going as if, and just kind of going on. And I think that God is calling us to something different in how we use the blessings that God has given us. Last week, we basically kicked off our Sabbath year, where we're kind of somewhat refraining from the usual uh, churn of church to really kind of stepping back and thinking about who we are as a church. And how we are looking, especially at our resources, is one way that we are kind of engaging in Sabbath, to really think about what is it that we want to do with what God has given us. Churches, I think, can be notorious for being busy. And not busy for God as much as that we are just busy because to be busy, and because we think that busyness equals life in some ways. But that's not always the case. I'm reading, currently reading a book by, that's called The Church and the Crisis of Decline, and it's by Andrew Root, who is a professor at Luther Seminary. One of the main thrusts of his book is that Congregations, especially in our day and age and in our culture, we're so obsessed with decline and survival that we start to become busy finding ways to stave off the decline. And when we do that, we make the church the star of the story. It becomes about us, not about God, and not about others. Root is drawing on the resources of, theologian, of the theologian Karl Barth, and the main point that he is trying to say for churches is to not be so busy trying to save ourselves, but instead to stop 
and wait for God. Because God is active in our world, and we need to sometimes stop and open up to see where God is going. But we can only do that when we do take the time to, to sit and wait. And I think that that's part of what our Sabbath year is all about. It is to not just live day to day, not really thinking about the resources that we have, but to stop, to wait, to listen, and to see where God is active, and in all things to be intentional. We need Sabbath, not just as a congregation, but also in our own lives, so that we can stop and discern how we are using our resources, how we are relating to one another. When it comes to our congregation, how do we use our proceeds not for mere survival, but to bring, but to support God's action in the world? How do we live not just in the moment, which I think sometimes has been the way that our congregation has lived, but also into the future? And the thing is, you can only do that when you stop, when you take a Sabbath, in order to connect with God. As I was preparing this sermon, I stumbled upon a blog of a pastor, I couldn't find his name, uh, that wrote the following about, Sabbath, about the intentionality of Sabbath. And I want to write, share what this person wrote. They say, God has created, called, and gifted each one of us as an expression of divine character and love. But our service to God grows out of relationship with God. Sabbath reminds us that all things are not held together by us or through our efforts. Sabbath reminds us that we are created for God and as God's children for relationship with one another. Sabbath is learning to say no. Sabbath is taking time away. Sabbath is seeing all that God, God's work is very good. I want to end with this article that I saw last week in the New York Times. And for those of you, if you got the email that I've been, uh, on, I sent out, you may have already heard about this. In the midst of all the coverage concerning the death of Queen Elizabeth, there is this one story that was captivating. And it was a story about the royal beekeeper, John Chapel. It was reported that he had informed the royal bees that the queen had died. And that brought a lot of chuckles in the media because it didn't make much sense. But the fact is there is meaning to this event. There is a tradition of telling the bees when important events have happened, including someone's death. And this is a custom that is, is has gone from, is common in Europe and even in some parts of the United States. What Chapel did in the beehives in Buckingham Palace, and I think in another place, was that he placed black ribbons on each hive. 
And at each hive, he said something to this effect. The mistress is dead, but don't you go. Your master will be a good master to you. I started this sermon talking about the movie Network. And what was interesting about that is how cynical people were. That they were willing to use other people for, for, their, for a benefit. And in today's text, God is calling us to not do that. That is why we take Sabbath. Because when we don't take Sabbath, what network happens is the result. But we close with this elderly man, John Chapel, 79. And now, of course, he will be the beekeeper to Charles III. And where network was about using up things and moving on. Here, in this tale, it's about slowing down and being prudent. Jesus says that we can only serve one master. So do we serve God and act with shrewdness? Or do we serve money or self and use things up? Do we serve God, the God who cares about even the bees, or do we laugh it off and live as if there is no tomorrow? Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.